In our universe, there are 200 billion trillion stars. That number is unfathomable to the human brain. The 200 part is something for the mind to try to hold on to, but a billion trillion, no way. We can't do it. For atoms in the observable universe, the number is somewhere in the range of 10 quadrillion vigintillion to 100,000 quadrillion vigintillion atoms. That's inconceivable and super hard to say. Someone fire the writer of this show for putting that in here. There's a lot of information in our own universe, let alone other universes. We can call all of this data, and at this point, we're all aware of the potential value of data. But data without perspective is totally useless. HG Insights has always been keenly aware of this truth. I looked at what Craig Harris, the founder, had done over that seven years. What we do is we take billions of freeform documents at the beginning of every month, publicly available, and we use AI and machine learning and rule-based processing to mine out of those documents the insights that we then provide to our customers. I looked at how he had developed that process of taking something that no human could ever consume themselves and read all those documents and come out with the, the insights and really draw out special information that could be applied in a way that other companies in the data space were not able to do. That's Elizabeth Chalosky, the chief executive officer at HG Insights, a company that uses cutting-edge data science to provide the insights that clients need. Data is important, but insight is more important. Seven years into the life of the company, Elizabeth realized HG Insights' value in offering unique perspectives on troves of data, joined the team, and has been serving up wins ever since. But what is it about HG Insights and Elizabeth's leadership that leads to these wins? It's all about conviction. And on this episode of Business X Factors, we're going to dig deep into the subject. Because conviction is not something only certain people or companies have. We're all capable of having conviction. The question is, how do we cultivate it? I'm Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. Welcome to Business X Factors. Each and every week, we take a look at the secret sauce that takes companies to the highest levels of success and then unpack how they got there. We'll explore how these organizations are run and what's so special about the people, the culture, and the processes that make it all happen. Question for you. What do you think is the best use of technology? Our friends at Highland believe technology is about transforming the way we all work so we can be more informed, empowered, and connected through every interaction and in every relationship with everyone we serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. When Elizabeth was a kid, she took in 
all the observable data and felt something was not quite right in the world. It seemed to her that things could be better if people and systems operated differently. At first, she was drawn to politics as a potential career. What was it about politics and government that caught your eye? And then what were you hoping to achieve in that field? From a very early age, I was just reading everything about the world and just very curious about what was going on. And also got sort of mission that the world could be better and there was too much conflict in the world. So that really drove kind of an interest in politics because better for worse, it's governments that control a lot of the interactions and whether people are are fighting or not fighting or healthy or not healthy. So you previously said that becoming president was something you were interested in as the daughter of Ukrainian parents. How did you view the possibilities in America? It's all about education and about the opportunities. I mean, that's why we have a country that welcomes its arms and has lots of great stories of people that come here and make make their fortunes and make an impact and do great things. So as a young child, president was the highest thing I could think of really achieving. That's the person that would solve everything. But I think that I mentioned this before. Unfortunately, as a little girl, I also was told, you know, little girls can't be presidents. So... That kind of took me down a different route, but didn't stop me from trying to make an impact. As a child, Elizabeth saw becoming president as the most obvious way to improve the world. Although she experienced a roadblock to her initial childhood presidential ambition, the opportunity to work within the government opened up for Elizabeth as an adult when the Central Intelligence Agency came calling. I had already really got very interested in how data-driven decision-making can change things for the better. So starting in college, I studied conflict resolution and was already working on statistical models in the social science arena. And then I continued that through grad school. My grad school degree was very much international relations with econometrics and modeling different phenomena. So by the time the CIA recruited me, I had really proven that kind of interest and a little bit of expertise. It takes persistence to write a dissertation. And so they they recruited me with the promise that the CIA and the intelligence agencies are a lot more data-driven than opinion-driven. And that was really attractive to me. And I still, to this day, have a lot of respect for the kind of research that comes out of the agency and the Congressional Research Office, because it takes a while to get it out, hence the bureaucracy part. But when it comes out, that analysis is really based on facts. Just as Elizabeth's ambition to use data to change the world led her to the CIA, it also drove her to make a career change. Any bureaucracy is large and it takes a long while to really make an impact. And meanwhile, I was getting more and more interested in technology itself. So it was at the time there was a first wave of artificial intelligence when a lot of companies were pioneering speech recognition and vision and other rule-based in expert systems. And I was using some of those techniques at the agency to help with what we were doing, but increasingly looked at the companies that were pioneering this technology and thought, boy, that, that would be cool to really experience that also. So eventually I left the agency and went to Boston 
to work for um, Voice Processing Corporation and Artificial Intelligence Corporation. One of Elizabeth's stops along the way to HG Insights was at Citrix, a computer software company dedicated to helping organizations provide quality employee experiences. While she was at Citrix, she led a transformation of its customer support service. So the interesting thing sitting here now in 2021 is that part of that transformation of the support organization was allowing all of our contact center agents to work remotely. And that was almost unheard of at the time. I think we set a goal of having maybe 20% of the hundreds of agents that we have working remotely by the end of the year that we did this effort. And by the end of the year, we have 50% of the teams. But the, the way it, we achieved it, again, and this is going to be a common theme, it's going back to measuring what you're doing and using the data. So we had good KPIs in place for customer satisfaction, for employee satisfaction, and employee productivity. So we looked at how that transition went, and it was a really um, phenomenal thing for the company and for the people that were involved in it. So I had team members that were commuting an hour and a half each way to come in and sit on the phone by themselves talking to customers. They were much happier saving that three hours, and they were much happier to the customers. Elizabeth analyzed the data to determine the positive results of her team working remotely at Citrix. Data can be interpreted to measure what's already happened, but also can be used to suggest possible directions for a person or a company. Getting ahead of the curve by interpreting data astutely is another common theme for Elizabeth, and that was the advantage she recognized in the data-driven work HG Insights was doing. And when the opportunity presented itself, she jumped at the chance to lead the team. So it was the proprietary nature and the true innovation that had already been created around how we do what we do that I looked at and said, A, there's good stuff now so the company can grow, but this company is a blockbuster because there's so much more in there that can also be drawn out. And um, here I am almost four years later, and it's absolutely true. So what's the value that Elizabeth saw and continues to see from the work being done at HG Insights that can't be easily replicated elsewhere? Why can't we just go to a person who is an expert and get an analysis of complicated data from that individual? If you ask a thousand economists what will happen in the next 10 years, it's very likely you'll get a thousand different answers. It's not that no one knows anything. It's that it's impossible for any one person to take in so much data, provide context to it, and then make accurate predictions accordingly. But what if there was a way to predict a few truths by taking comprehensive market data and then having AI constantly evaluating qualified contextual information? And if you could predict a few market truths, would you be able to better build products and services based on those truths? HG Insights isn't here to help companies find small tweaks to improve their business incrementally. It's designed to provide market intelligence to create new markets entirely. So any B2B technology company is going to benefit from what we do. It's the companies that are really adopting and buying, buying more and demanding more from us are the ones that understand that they really want to take those hardest to solve problems 
and solve them in a data-driven way. And that's where we partner and that's where we're being successful. You can watch some of the big companies in the global technology world, like SAP, like HPE, like Microsoft. They've shifted from individual distributed ways of looking at an analysis to really understanding that they need to take data and information in a big way and create big data lakes that then can be combined with their first party data and do more sophisticated analysis. So if you've got discrete data, you can answer discrete problems. We solve the harder problem. If you look at the rev tech industry, You've got a lot of players that are looking to provide contact information, to provide lead generation services. There are hundreds of companies down there, very good companies, just basic company information. So it's all about execution, but there's all the planning and optimization work that goes on also. And those kind of problems are much harder to solve. You know, you need the big brain to solve those problems and the feet and arms can take care of the execution. The bet we made was to stick in the brain area and solve the harder problems. You do need to have a really end-to-end view of what's going on with your particular market and your particular go-to-market and your particular products to be able to solve those problems. In other words... HG Insights and Elizabeth saw that a more centralized, big brain approach was necessary to solve the big problems and decided to focus on those larger issues rather than simply joining with the RevTech players who are more narrowly focused on providing basic company information. Another example of HG Insights taking a more comprehensive approach is how it moved away from technographics and toward providing technical intelligence. We don't do technographics anymore. Technographics has now gotten in the industry the the very simplistic fact of a company and its tech stack, just what technologies it's using. And that's interesting, but not sufficient in our minds. So if you look at how we talk about what we're doing, we've talked more about technology intelligence. Certainly, we have the companies and company information and very great quality technical stack information. But then we have all sorts of attributes around this that talk about the trends and the applications and the context of how that technology is being used. And then you layer on the IT spend information that we've got on it that can measure markets and measure the forecasted spend of a big company as its profile And then you add on the contract information that we've got and you put all that together and it really gives you a much bigger view of the technology profile of a company. So we kind of have migrated away from technographics and into this world where we've got this very big profile of the platform that we offer has 700,000 global companies profiled in it at a very detailed level with all this information I'm discussing. In an interesting twist, the company that Elizabeth worked for in the past, Citrix, provides a great example of how HG Insights helps companies with technology intelligence. According to a case study from HG Insights, Citrix needed a solution to better identify market opportunities while maximizing its sales territories. HG Insights was able to provide its data to Citrix's AI, Edison. 
Edison has since been able to use this info to help plan sales territories, provide TAMS analysis, determine what accounts should have priority, identify leads, and decide when to reach out to current and potential customers, and to even make adjustments based upon the responses of prospective customers. Ultimately, this partnership with HG Insights helped Citrix quadruple their conversion rates. Elizabeth, can you give us another example of how you're disrupting these traditional marketing planning tools? Generally, companies are held at the behest of the big research firms like Gartner and IDC and Forrester. They do great work. They have great analysts, but they're really expensive. I learned this firsthand when I was at startups. I mean, you beg and borrow information from these firms because of how expensive the subscriptions are. And we looked at what we had in terms of the information that we've got, the technology profiles and the IT spend and contracts. And we decided that we could do a market intelligence product that could give you the size and shape of any market in the world down to individual sub-markets in a data-driven, fact-driven world. So we put this together on the platform and nice UI that kind of walks you through, you know, show me the market for security tools in Europe. Okay, show me in England. And how big is that? And then all the way down to what companies comprise that segment. So the difference and why it's disruptive with what's going on, it's not just the fact that you don't have to have a million dollar contract with Gartner to get access to it, but it's fact-based and that's compared to the traditional way of doing things, which is go out and survey and ask CIOs. So it's fact-based, it's on demand. I don't have to wait for somebody to put out a report. I could do it and push a button in the platform. And it's connected all the way down to the companies in the market. And if you think about it, since the research firms have contracts with the CIOs that they're interviewing, they're not allowed to actually tell what companies are in the market. So we can go end to end, tell you how big your opportunity is all the way down to the, the companies that you, you need to target in it. So that product is really disrupting the traditional way that, that people have gone about it, which a lot, and a lot of gut feeling if you can't go and get a big research study. But now you've got our market intelligence product. So that is that also address a total addressable market? Absolutely. Like for yeah. a particular, okay. Yeah, yeah that awesome. product, uh, just to simplify it, it gives you the TAM. You can go then down to the SAM so you can slice and dice it with your individual view of what's going on. And then all the way down to the obtainable market because you can rule out those companies that you're never going to be able to sell to or you just don't want to sell to. So it does that whole TAM Samsung stack. Wow. But in an wow. automated way. It's very exciting. HG Insights provides context and layers in its data analysis. That's clear. But how is it possible to know why someone is doing what they are doing? How can we know why someone is checking out the company website, for instance? Do they have a crush on the CTO? Or are they really searching the market for a product? We really need to know. I'm very excited that we're on the... Um cusp of launching this, you'll see a preview in Snowflake Marketplace, our intent offering, but it's contextualized intent. So because we have this vast array of information about technology profiles, we can take that. One of the problems with intent information in the marketplace 
is that people don't know what to do with it. There's so much it becomes very noisy. But if you can imagine taking the technology information and almost using it as a filter over top of the intent information to contextualize why people are searching for something. I mean, the simplest example is you get an intent signal and a company shows up as looking at a new firewall product. Is somebody looking at that just because they want to get educated about firewall products or are they really in the buy cycle or are they just writing a report for the, the president? By taking the technology profile and knowing the age of the profile and locations it's used in, I mean, the richness of the information that we have is mind boggling sometimes. You can pinpoint the reason why people are looking at things in the marketplace and that contextualized intent gives ROI that's just phenomenal. So we're using it for our own marketing right now, of course. Getting the results of our campaigns are being improved by 50 and 60%. That's interesting, but that's not going to be sustainable. And it's sustainable. Every quarter compared to traditional methods, we're seeing that kind of lift in our marketing. It makes perfect sense that a company like HG Insights has an amazing product about to launch and that it's using it internally and it's helping to improve campaigns at such a high rate. But what is it specifically about HG Insights that's empowering Elizabeth to make these winning decisions? Is it possible to refine your perception over time? And how do we build up our courage to act based upon our convictions even when there's a cost? Find out more after the break. If you run a business, you have information. Loads and loads of information across different channels, systems, and silos. How can you connect the dots to make sure the right information gets to the right people who need it? Highland helps more than half of the Fortune 100 companies do just that by providing them with the tools they need to digitally transform and create more meaningful connections with the people they serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. Elizabeth clearly is a person with convictions, and the same can be said for HG Insights, but convictions are not about being unwavering. When you have convictions, you must allow for change. Early in Elizabeth's tenure at the company, that meant renaming the company from HG Data to HG Insights. My entire career, I have resisted rebranding. My mantra to everybody that I talk to is, what's in a name? It's what you message it. That's what I tried to teach people my whole career. And I get to HG and I look at what's going on and I knew that we weren't just a data company. We don't, you know, if you think of the data as these freeform documents, nobody ever sees them. They don't care about that. What we provide are the extractions and the insights from that data. And I looked at our name and I looked at where I wanted to take the company. And it's like, oh, this is one of those cases where it's just undeniable. I can't message data as a different thing than raw facts. So it's just not raw facts that we put out. So we rebranded and the best validation I had 
is that it was almost a non-event with all of our customers. They, they were like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. We get it. And it's like, okay, we did the right thing. A rebrand is a big enough decision. But early on in her role as CEO, Elizabeth also changed the entire way her company was selling its product. The biggest bet at the very beginning that I made is to shift our own go-to-market. So HD Insights, when I joined, was very dependent on channel sales. So we put most of the information that came out of our data processes in through channel partners. The big bet was to really deprecate the channel arm that we had and go directly out to the enterprise companies that we sell to today. I mean, it's proven phenomenal. The reason why I thought that bet had a good chance of succeeding is because of what I saw was happening in the industry over starting four years ago and certainly accelerating now. And that's this shift of enterprises to really understand that they, they need data and they need facts to drive their marketing and sales efforts. And they need them collated as not just data, but into insights. And that was of changing our own way we were going to go sell was dependent on being right about the industry shift. And if anything, it's even accelerated now, even, even more so. The industry doesn't want more data. They want more insights. And that's proven true. Just like the work of HG Insights, Elizabeth had to take in the market data and realize the potential for a whole new opportunity. While Elizabeth's analysis has proven true today, creating buy-in early on was difficult and required a fierce commitment to her vision for the company. I went to one of our partners and I, I knew that we could get, if we had sold to each of the individual customers that they were selling to, value of the contract back to us would have been tenfold. And so we explained how we were not just putting out a company and its technology stack, we had a lot more important information that we were now selling and able to give value to our customer set. So we were trying to work out, can this partnership still survive and provide value to us and to the customers? And, the, and there was um, no recognition of the trends that I was talking about. And so within, I'd say the first, this was like two months into the job, I canceled a quarter of a million dollar contract with nothing to replace it. And we, yeah, we were still, you know, at the time we were still like 45 people and I was new to the board. And it's like, you, you got to trust me on this one. This will be okay over time, but we've got to make a stand here on our beliefs that, that this is a different industry going forward. So everybody gets a little lucky in their career also. And when they have a, a big success and I, I got really lucky in that one of our partners agreed to come join HG. So another thing I convinced my new board to do is an acquisition within three months after I got on board. Pivotal IQ, which was one of our partners, we finished that acquisition at the end of September in 2018. So fairly quick turnaround there. And the luck that I got is that Pivotal had a team of about half dozen really phenomenal direct sales people led by Scott Smythe, our current VP of sales. And they understood this use case based selling and they understood the positioning of the brain in the whole environment. So it was the core of how we built so quickly built a direct sales team. 
by the end of the year, by the end of 2018, we were now majority of direct sales and really starting that transition. Elizabeth offers up being a little lucky as part of the reason for her career success. There's more to it than that, though. Rather than being simply lucky, Elizabeth's choices come off as incredibly gutsy. But how in the world did she develop the instincts and the fortitude to make those decisions? What is the benefit of getting fired? And what else do you wish you were told before you started? You asked me kind of at the beginning of this, how did I decide on these big bets? You've got to kind of hone your conviction meter. And getting fired for the right reason, knowing that you have a conviction that could have helped that company do better than it is and sticking to your guns there, you got to push the envelope. And getting fired is, I guess, the ultimate pushing the envelope and you see just how far you can go. But I wouldn't do it very often. So just once it's important. What I'm taking away from this show is that I was right to want to fire the writer for making me say that very difficult number at the top of the episode. He must have really believed in that line. And I'm playing my part in teaching him a lesson that will help him hone his conviction meter. In fact, according to Elizabeth, we should all definitely get fired one time based upon our convictions. All joking aside, HG Insights is a place where convictions matter. Convictions are funny things because sometimes they can look like intense resistance and other times they can appear as radical change. Grant Cardone, author of the 10X Rule, The Only Difference Between Success and Failure, wrote that, quote, Until you become completely obsessed with your mission, no one will take you seriously. Until the world understands that you're not going away, that you are 100% committed and have complete and utter conviction and will persist in pursuing your project, you will not get the attention you need and the support you want, unquote. The lesson here from Elizabeth and HG Insights is that convictions can be strengthened over time through adversity and self-belief. And if a person in a company relies on good contextual data and the insights it can provide, then their convictions can also be proved true over the test of time. I don't know about you, but when I have a decision to make, I look for information. I may look through emails, documents, photos, and files in multiple places. And if I'm lucky, I find what I'm looking for. So it's amazing to me that while I have trouble finding a single file, some organizations' success hinges on making sure that the right people can get all the right information they need when and where they need it. Like hospitals, insurers, banks, and all sorts of businesses. I don't know how they do it, but our friends at Highland do. Highland empowers more than half of 2020 Fortune 100 companies with tools that help make sure the right information gets to the right folks easily and automatically and makes business processes smarter and more efficient. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D dot com slash insights. You've been listening to Business X Factors, created by Mission.org and brought to you by Highland. 
If you like this show, please be sure you subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast app. I'd be so grateful if you rated and reviewed this show on Apple Podcasts, as that really helps ensure that more amazing listeners like you find the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, and I'll catch you next time on Business X Factors. Business X Factors.